I ordered pork for a vegetarian. Episode 20 of The Failure Show. I'm Ben Frank. Double digits. Yes, we're at double digits for those of you listening to the last. I know it's not what it really means. Um, And I'm Ida Knox. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Frank Comedy and on my website, BenFrankComedy.com. Please don't find me on the internet. Yes, respect Ida's wishes, everybody. (laughs) So yeah, we are going to hurry through this intro because Ida... I'm on a show in about... Uh, 31 minutes. 31 minutes. I might actually have to be on stage, so... Uh, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but you need to be in the building. I had 31 minutes, I need to be in the building. Yeah. Yes. I'm on a show tonight. It's in, yeah, it's not that far away from here, but it's still, you're understandably in, in a little bit of... Uh, a bit of a hurry, yes. Of a, of, of a rush, yeah. One o- might say. Opening for an international comedian. I don't know why you said it like he wasn't actually an international comedian. He is. Um. Oh, no, he, he is. I don't know. Did, did I say it sarcastically? Yeah, you were like an international comedian. Like, either you look down on international comedians, which is bold given your trajectory, or <laughs> you don't really believe that's what I'm doing. In my defense, for those people listening, I did not do quotation fingers when I said it. Yeah. So it wasn't actually So if you if you feel sarcastic. like that's defending what he did, then yeah, I guess. No, he's yeah, he's he's for sure an international comedian. He yeah. does not live in China. Nope. Uh, I know he's an international comedian because we charge more for the tickets when that's, he's here. Yeah, that, that's, that's really real. true. I only get to comp one friend to the show um, instead of two, so that's how I know that he's more important than when it's just me on the show. Yeah, you guys are getting a little bit of a little bit of inside baseball here on what it's uh what it. What, what it's like to invite invite friends to comedy shows. Well, usually it's difficult because they don't want to come anymore, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you've already... Th- yeah, you that's the thing about being a, a newer comedian in the scene or being on your first few shows. It's really easy to get people to come, and then after they've been there two or three times, they're like, oh, you did the same jokes you did two or three weeks ago. And that's ago. a tragedy, because when you first start out, you universally suck, um, and then like a year later, you're decent, but your friends are like, nah... Like I've seen you perform, but it's like it's like yeah, you saw me a year ago, and I, I wrote entirely different dick jokes for this set. Come on, yeah, much much better at that at that now. Yeah, one of my colleagues was thinking of coming to the show this weekend. He saw me maybe a month ago. And he's like, oh, have you written new jokes since then? I'm like. I'm like, well, maybe I have, but I'm like, I also don't remember which jokes I did. Like, I, That is a huge issue. I don't always cause, remember. Because by random chance, I could do 100% completely different jokes, or I could do 80% of the same jokes if I'm not actively... Also, it doesn't always help to be like, oh, did you see my joke about X? Because people don't know it, like what we call our jokes. Yeah, we have, we have always... like names for our jokes. Yeah, like and... I'll be like, oh, did you see Bear Period? And people <laughs> are like, uh... And I'm like, no, you would know. Like, you would know if that's the one that you saw. But it's not always helpful. Yeah. So, anyways, you've got a show to get on. I will not keep you uh, much longer. Thanks, friend. Um, and I guess I've I guess I've admitted at least for this episode about how things work. We record the intros after the shows. Yeah, we often do that because it's just always. it ends up. Uh, a couple times we haven't done it. But anyways, right. that's usually how it works. It just logistically is easier that way. Yeah. So we're unwrapping a bit of the magic of the failure show. So I'm going to say this very disingenuously. Uh, let's go right into fail or pass. <laughs> fail. 
or pass. Okay, welcome to Fail or Pass, the segment of the show where Ida will almost surely get really upset about something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to welcome our, our guest for the week, uh, NSFW. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome to uh, welcome to the Failure Show. Yeah, Thanks. welcome. We're thrilled to have you. Yeah. Uh, Ida, do you want to start with your oh, story? Oh, man, I so do. Okay, so it's from the Times because they continue to bill me, so I continue to read them. Um, okay, <clears throat> it is from Art and Design, and the title is, Oops! A gallery selfie gone wrong causes $200,000 in damage. So basically, and, the, and there's many different sides to this. So Simon Birch is an installation artist. Um, he's British, he's based in Hong Kong. He put a pop-up gallery in Los Angeles of crowns on pedestals. So it's just actually like different crowns on pedestals and long story short someone was trying to take a selfie with one of them like look like me selfie um and they like tripped and hit one of the pedestals and since they're closely placed next to each other it was like a like dominoes yes oh god a domino of crown pedestal disaster totaling in two hundred thousand dollars like a rude goldberg machine yeah. Way. Or Domino's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God. Like the world's most basic Rube Goldberg. Exactly. Um, and so, apparent, and, and, but, but the flip of that is, is that it's possibly staged. Like people are saying that the... Was it a bit of performance art? Well, it wasn't supposed to be, but the video that got uploaded of this happening, like has a plug for the show and for the museum. Like, to say, like, the rest of, you know, of it's one of a kind, go visit before it ends in July, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so some people have said that it's staged. The artist has said it was an accident, um, but that he's not going to, like, do anything, like, put up signs and tell people to not take selfies. He has a quote, we trust people. Crowns are fragile things. They are symbols of power. Perhaps it's ironic and meaningful that they fell. Which to me does make it sound a little bit like it was staged. Yeah. Okay, so what are we failing or passing okay. in this story? So, failing and passing, both the artist and whether or not, well, I guess whether or not you think that this was a staged event and whether or not if it was, you're passing and failing that concept or whether you don't think it was. And also the woman who took a selfie in a museum, fell over, and destroyed $200,000 of art. So, like, kind of asking you to make a judgment call on if you think that this was an intentionally planned stunt, and if it was that, are you passing or failing it? And if it wasn't that, are you failing or passing it? I doubt that they were planning to destroy a bunch of works of art, but if it happens, it's like, well, how can we most benefit or spin this in the most positive way? Yeah, yeah. I think it was fully planned. Actually, yeah. I think it's just a little too, like, poetic of a response and, like, a theme and, like, it's a little bit too, like, viral online, which I'm so jaded about because I work in media and so, like, I know the idea of trying to get things viral. Okay. So, if you think it was planned... Yeah. That's a really... 
expensive marketing stunt, though. Not like if it's your art and your whole plan with your art was originally to break it, mm. then like technically the value is two hundred thousand dollars. But if you knew that you were going to destroy your piece, like in some sort of performance-based thing, then you didn't actually lose the value. No. There. So, no. so the person promoting it are they the same as the person who created all these works of art that are destroyed, or? So there's not like an actual direct line between girl who took selfie and artist. But the video that did go up of girl taking selfie was like posted by someone who knows her and heavily promotes the museum. I mean, it seems a little more likely than I at first thought that it was staged. But even, <laughs> if, it, even if it was, I'm going to pass that because it's I think people need to be creative in, in the ways that they try to promote themselves because there are so many people out there doing things sure. trying to get attention okay. that it's, yeah. it's just really difficult to okay I'm in a solid fail because I think it's exploiting kind of the system and I think that like most things that are viral online and kind of go this direction are kind of bullshit so I'm gonna fail it yeah I mean oh. yeah sorry yeah, go ahead you're tie breaking. Uh, I you know speaking as a performer I, I can appreciate wanting to like show off the things that other people do, but it's it really changes the experience that you're trying to have them have as an artist. So I think from the perspective of just like being in the freaking moment and not having to prove that you go to things all the time, I'm going to fail them. Yes. Like, just failure. show up. Just failure show wins. up and be there. You know, you don't have to like brag about it on social media all the time. All right. So two fails and one pass. All right. Good. Like some controversy and disagreement. Yeah, um, you do. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No. Too often we we all agree on these stories. It's hard to find ones where you can legitimately take both sides of it. I feel like back in the day when it was turtles on the line, we kind of disagreed a little bit. Yeah, but. it's true. Um, okay, my my story. Uh, James Woods isn't backing down from controversial comments about gender creative child. So James Woods, the actor, made controversial Who is comments. James Woods. Sorry, would it be someone I know? Or he's a, a famous actor. Like context, he's been in. Lots of things. Helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> All right. Cool. He's been. Um, in, he's yeah. He's been in quite a. What quite does a he few. look like? I want to see his picture. Yeah. Can we see his picture? It's 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 this it's this guy. Oh, see, that's gonna make a lot of noise now. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know who that is. James oh. Woods. Okay. I got nothing. Okay. All right, cool. Famous I, made, guy. I made a bunch of noise as my charger fell out of my computer. So we'll, anyways, I'll continue with You're the story about yeah. James Woods. <laughs> a so, famous actor, in case you didn't know. <laughs> okay. James Woods, I'm sorry. Can yeah. I just interrupt to read his IMDb profile? Yes, sure. James of Woods is a leanly built, strangely handsome actor, producer, director with intense eyes and a sometimes untrustworthy grin. I would say I would say strangely handsome is a good description. Really, I don't find that man handsome. <laughs> well, he's older. Now, okay, but I, I, no, no, I find some older men handsome. That's not like a disqualifying <laughs> statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some. I'm just fox saying, I don't silver find, foxes yeah, out there. I don't find him handsome. Also, he's not that old in the picture. Like he's older, but yeah. Okay. Anyways, all right. This tell your tell your story. <sighs> so. <laughs> 
So anyway, he's he's now 70 years old. I don't think he's 70 years old in the picture I just showed you. All right. But he's received a wave of backlash on Twitter after he tweeted a photo of a California family at the Orange County Pride Parade. Uh, the young boy was holding a rainbow flag, and his parents were had posters that read, I love my gender creative son, and my son wears dresses and makeup. Get over it. And basically, James Woods to this said, this is sweet. Wait until this poor kid grows up realizes what you've done and stuffs both of you dismembered into a freezer in the garage. Cool. Now. Yeah, what are we trying on. to pass here, Ben? Hold on. Come on. At first, when I read the first half of the story, I was like, wow, this is an unmitigated fail. There's no other side to the story. All right. But. That is the point that we are at right now. Right. I read a little bit further, and it seems like these parents have kind of been very public in terms of documenting their journey with their gender creative son. He's only 10 now, but they've been documenting it on a blog for the last uh, seven years, I think they said. Um, And the interesting thing that I saw about this is that it said the the son, 10-year-old CJ, uh, was not aware of Woods' tweet but it said he still regularly receives hate mail and threats, which have only intensified since Woods spoke out. Mm. So my issue potentially with this is that these parents, it seems like they're really uh, so supportive. So it's not Woods. It's the past fail of the blog, like blogging. Well, because what he's drawing attention to when he explains it is that like these parents are putting their kid in a position where they're really publicizing him and putting him out there uh-huh. in a world where of course not everybody is going to accept what he is and mm-hmm. he's not young enough to make those he's too young to make those decisions sure. for himself although i will disagree mm-hmm. that that's what woods was drawing attention to i understand that that is one he, thing that attention was he says it a little to. bit later in, yeah in well. that but it, so and it says, which have only intensified since Woods spoke out, which sure. means that this 10-year-old kid has already received hate mail and threats before this, and that would only be a result of his parents publicizing these things about sure. him. Otherwise, how would anybody know? So what's our pass-fail? So I guess we're, we're fail-passing James Woods for saying anything about this at all. Complete fail, okay. We're fail-passing fail the, the parents for... We're just kind of putting their child in the public eye mm-hmm. like this. Sure. And I guess those are the those are the two major ones. Okay. I have I don't know infinite opinions. Um, you weren't wrong. This is going to be the section where I get angry about things. Um, okay, I'll try and be uh, succinct. I'm gonna fail James Wood because there was nothing like even if his vague. Uh, intent had been to say I don't think parents should put the gender of their children whether creative or not in the public eye that is not what he said it was not the way that he approached it it was not done in like a tactful responsible way he was being critical he was being crass he was being creepy uh, and he gets an unmitigated fail Um, in terms of the parents doing that Um, If the kid is only 10 and it's been going on for seven years, that's way more complicated Um, Because I mean a lot of parents do that like if you follow people on Instagram or things like that people who are Famous when they have kids they bring their kids into their spotlight or Mm -hmm. they like bring their kids into it Um, And I'm not gonna fail the parents there because 
Like, I don't think that the fear that people are going to send you hate mail should be a reason not to do something. I just think in general that's a bad precedent to set because there are many things, like there's nothing inherently wrong with their family, with their child, with their choices. Um, and so the fact that they're receiving like hate mail and threats and that people are threatening a 10-year-old speaks volumes about people, but I wouldn't say it says a lot about the family. So, passing family, failing James Woods. Now uh, I know who he is. Uh, Annis? You know, as a member of the LGBTQ community, I don't think that this guy is sympathetic to queer issues. And I think that given his age, he's growing up I mean he's not growing up he's living in a time now where kids growing up are in a completely different landscape and are able to express themselves and their gender in a way that wasn't possible in previous generations Uh, so I don't think that this guy has this kid's best interests at heart as for the parents yeah you bring up a really good point you know Oh, this is the tough part. I mean, thank you for bringing this yes. to me because I, I like yeah, I like it thought experiments like this. Um, you know, honestly, I guess I guess from a consent standpoint, that kid was way too young to consent to having his stuff out there on the internet, having his photos and having his story out there on the internet. So yeah, I guess I kind of have to fail the parents too, because um, it's not like this kid is going to be able to grow up and look back and say, mom and dad, you know, um, I don't want my stuff out there. It's already been done. And once you put something on the internet, it's not going anywhere. I'm going to pass them for being supportive parents because there are a lot of parents that would be way more terrible in that situation. That's true. But to some degree, I also think they're using it as a way to bring attention to themselves on the internet and Mm -hmm. to tell a unique story and... I don't know if it totally has the kid's best, um, you know, best interests at heart. So I will fail them in that regard, but also going to fail James Woods in the way he handled all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to pass James Woods <laughs> on the street in general in this context. I feel like just, no, we're done with him. Okay, so this has turned into a James Woods shit-a-thon. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's been that's been fail or pass. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. Failure of the week. Okay, let's get into our little failures of the week, the part of the show that Ida likes the best. I think it's sweet. Yeah. So I, you said you said before the show that you had a lot of options this week. I did. I sometimes when we do this, I'm like, oh, I don't know. It was like a pretty good week. Um, I just had like a lot of like little things I failed at this week that were like dumb. Um, I like accidentally like woke up my roommate while she was asleep, which wasn't a big deal, but like I felt really bad about. I tried to cut flower stems, but I cut them like two inches shorter than I wanted to, which is also not a big deal, but was sad. And then this morning, like this, there were like a million other things. And then this morning I was making breakfast. And I had two eggs left in a carton. So I like cracked them, but they like looked a little weird. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to eat those. Mm -hmm. So I was going to open a new carton of eggs. 
And I was trying to open it, and it wasn't like a cardboard one, which is what I usually get. It was a plastic container, and it was like really tightly somehow sealed, and I was just like trying to get it open, and I couldn't, and I was like, oh, like this eggs are gonna fly everywhere. So I just like was like positioning it where eggs wouldn't fly everywhere, and then I finally like popped it open, and as I did, like one egg like flew into the air and like in slow motion just glorious art crashed onto the ground and i've never actually dropped an egg before and and so like there's a moment in your head where you're like maybe it won't break (laughs) Like, (laughs) like maybe this will be the egg that somehow doesn't shatter into a thousand pieces and maybe like and i was even surprised like that the egg yolk broke because i was like oh no sad that's the worst thing that can happen when you fry an egg (laughs) but like (laughs) there's just egg everywhere and then like cleaning up egg is a tricky business because it's like liquid but also not i don't know so that was my most recent within the last eight hours fail yeah i i don't know this this week i was I was telling you a little bit about this, Ida. I had to do something at work where mm-hmm. I had to read through these contracts in Chinese, and I'm not a lawyer, uh, so I don't read through contracts anyway. Mm-hmm. And like, but I'm at this point where my Chinese is good enough where people trust me to ask me to do things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm by no means qualified with a with a professional eye to read through a Chinese legal document with any competency or efficiency. So it's something that someone who's trained in it, it should have taken them maybe a couple hours. And I spent like seven hours looking through these contracts and just trying to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Like that made sense to, to compare or that I could take something away from. So it was just one of those situations where you do something and, and you're like, I'm not as good at this as someone doing this probably should be. I'm probably wasting a lot of time. I will say that is a comfort to me that you're not good at it because, like, I'm about to go to school for three years to be qualified to do that. And if you were, like, inherently feeling really comfortable doing it sans any school, (laughs) I would be a little bit frustrated. So I'm kind of glad that that sucked for you because it's, like, comforting to me that I'm going to bother learning how to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was the legal contract, but also the the fact that it was in Chinese. And I was telling you about it, and then you were sending me pictures how you were you were out. <laughs> I with, was eating were, ceviche and taking shots. So. Yeah, and you were sending me pictures, and, and I was I was like I literally said to you I was like, be careful, the shoe's about to be on the other foot. Yeah, and she was like, oh, that's not you're a huge touche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, anyways, that was my little failure. Jeez, Ernest. Right now, my boyfriend's roommate is out of town, and um, it means that we basically have the place to ourselves. Like, we don't live together, but um, because he has the apartment all to himself, I spend, I hang out there a lot. Um, His apartment's a little bit nicer than mine, and um, he doesn't have air conditioning in the kitchen, but, um, so, like, they keep the door closed, but as the door has, like, you know, that room has been sort of like off limits during the day. It's developed a really bad gnat problem, actually. Yeah, it's really gross. So, like, um, 
I guess it just comes from having fruit or something around. Maybe they're coming from the drain. I don't know. He's on the 15th floor, right? Oh, I was so, going to say, if you live up high, there's less bugs, but never mind. No, not even. And, and then yesterday, I um, he was at work, and I was, like, trying to manage the problem. I, like, crawled on top of the counter to try and, like, open the window, but only one side opens. And then, like, the other side is kind of, like, rusted. The screen is rusted, so I thought, oh, maybe I'll open the window see if the gnats will fly out uh-huh. um, but uh, yeah that didn't happen was there not a worry that more gnats would fly in <laughs> I'm just curious about the window opening logic I don't know if I would have I mean your logic in this moment is more sound than my logic was like faced with a room full of gnats that's true you know, there are no gnats in the recording of this podcast but so. like any self-respecting like 20 something living in the modern era I'm like googling like how to deal with a gnat problem on my lunch break apparently you can like take a glass of red wine just leave it on the counter put some plastic rope wrap over it and like poke some holes in it and then it will the gnats will be attracted to like the scent of the fruit well when you're not Ennis, when you're not exterminating gnats <laughs> uh, what do you what do you do yeah yeah and, i mean yeah. in shanghai what have you been up to i i, I heard you're, you're leaving soon i am leaving soon Woo! sorry yeah. just cheering for the leaving soon train <laughs> yeah. we're trying to be optimistic about it <laughs> But yeah, I guess so what, how long have you been in Shanghai? I've been in living China? in Shanghai for four years now, uh, also in China for four years. Um, and I am a drag king. And for those uh, people who don't know what drag kinging is, it is the exact opposite of being a drag queen, which is to say I am a uh, cisgendered, like biological woman who dresses up uh, and performs masculinity. And so um, I do burlesque, I sing live, um, I MC shows, and all of that has been done here in the city with a bunch of different artists. Yeah. Ben and I went to see a show that you were in, what, one week ago? Yeah, yes. Week Thank ago. you yeah. for coming. You got well, to hear, like, you know, my ballad about the things that are special to me. It yeah. was an amazing show, <laughs> an equally amazing hangover the next day. <laughs> Um, just it really sounds like time. you had a good time yeah. then. We, yeah, we did. I mean, it was just—I didn't—I had never been to one of those shows before, so I, I just—I oh. just didn't know what to. But I had seen you perform because I, I hosted the yes. part of the Planned Parenthood thing. But I think you might—you were one of one of, if not the only drag performer. I on was that the show. only drag performer in the Planned Parenthood show, and yeah. the show that we just did was really the first show of its kind that I know of in Shanghai, which was a like two-hour bill. Full of drag kings and drag queens. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I was I was really Ben and I blown both, away both felt it. inadequate as performers we were, we, coming out of that show. Because especially we were watching, I forget who it was, but um, whoever did the thing with the ribbons, climbing up the ribbons. Yeah, that's a performer named Mandala. And oh, okay. I had never shared the stage with him before. But... Um, I don't know. Even his muscles have muscles. He's so jacked. Right. It's just like I'm watching because climbing up the ribbons, I mean, he's like, looks like he's 20 or 30 feet up in the air. Yeah. And just the trust you have to have with your body and where the ribbons are to know that you could just fall back and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> I just fangirled everybody so hard that night. <laughs> yeah. The time, yes! Logan yes! and I were like trying to take selfies with people afterwards, <laughs> but the extensive amount of wine that had gone into it and like how amazing all of you looked meant that like there's selfies of us like 
very drunk next to immaculate performers and it's very disheartening filters are your friend no it was it's great it's really good um (laughs) my favorite part was that i was on the third floor um changing in between my own performances and the drag queen spice girl number came on so Mm. you know five drag queens each representing a number of the spice girls and i remember that moment that the melody of the song hit and i looked down and the whole room just erupts you know like a room full of like gay guys straight women and then like everybody else just being like oh my god the spice girls it was really good well i think all of humanity can kind of get behind a performance of the spice girls it doesn't really matter if you've seen drag or you even know like what a drag king is you're You're like like, i know know this yeah yeah, i know what this is but you know it's that much better performed by like men in you know six inch heels yeah well that, well, that was the thing after the show when, like, all of them were coming down and just, like, mingling with us, regu- us regular folk. And you, you were just, and you were just, you were just like, oh, my God, they're all so tall. I'm like, well, yeah, they're men in high heels. Of course they're going to be I'm really just tall. not used to anyone in a dress being taller than me. I'm a very tall woman. Aww. And I, like, I'm not that used to being dwarfed by people in, like, fucking evening gowns. It was a nice moment. I was like... I could get used to this. This is amazing. (laughs) There was a drag queen that actually left Shanghai um, who was six foot. um, A queen by the name of Honey West. And, you know, she used to strap on five inch, six inch heels like the rest of them and just be like a walking tower of, you know, glitter and like push up pads. Um, So how long, how did you get into drag and how long have you been doing it? I started doing burlesque in Chicago in my junior year of college uh, in 2010. And, you know, I was doing this, like, female burlesque, which is a kind of drag, I think. It, it does involve performing femininity. But to me, it didn't really feel authentic. You know, the idea is that you try to style yourself into, like, this glamorous sort of pin-up burlesque vision. And I never felt like that growing up. You know, I, I always felt like the Hermione of the bunch, right? With, like, mm-hmm. weird, frizzy hair. Um, and not at all, like, a bombshell. And so I had heard about drag kings just from being in the LGBTQ scene of Chicago and wanted to try. And so I put together a little routine based on the Newsies. And um, it was a big hit. It was great, you know, like... I had this uh, newspaper boy costume that I stripped off and I had like these amazing newsprint boxers actually that I like stripped down to. They were so great. Um, and I had a bag full of newspapers and I could like pretend that the newspapers were my penis and you know, like yeah, stuff like that. As one does. And the rest is history. Uh, when I first started performing, um, I had already been performing for a long time. I have been performing now for about 11 years. Okay. And so um, I had never done drag before, but I had been on stage tons of times. And uh, the first time I made my drag debut, like it was to a pretty small crowd. We used to have a regular bar show back in Chicago. Okay. Um, probably like 20, 30 people would show up each time. So it felt like a really safe environment to okay. like make that sort of leap, you know, and, and to have like a soft landing, which was good. Yeah. What is, um, 
So my job on this podcast is to convince people that they have failed in life. It's a it's a welcome <laughs> position. Great. You um, showed up with self-esteem, but, but you're not taking it with you. No, but I think that's amazing that you like started with experience and you kind of felt confident doing it. In your opinion, not like have you ever failed at a show, but you know, I think as a stand-up comic, I have really clear ideas in my head of like when I perform, okay, that was successful, and when I perform, like, no, I missed the I missed the hit. And it almost doesn't correlate with, like, necessarily what other people say. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have that? Do you find that, like, with drag, you have your own set of, like, what is a failed or a successful performance? There's two lenses that you can look at. There's, like, the lens of your friends who are not necessarily artistically literate or who are literate about your art form. And so you come off stage and they're so nice and they're so supportive and they're always like, that was amazing, you know. Cue me. (laughs) (laughs) and then for what you do you have like your opinion as a person who does what you do and then also perhaps the opinion of some people that are close to you that you trust Mm -hmm. and so for the for your average audience goer you know if you go out there and you do like a pretty good job it's gonna look about the same as if you go out there and you miss a couple beats right you know it's only if you bomb that like somebody in the audience is going to be able to be like yeah that wasn't so good have you ever bombed um everybody has those moments where they've bombed you know and that's what i love about theater but um i have a few i have a few i back when i was performing burlesque um, I, I had a crush on one of the students, one of the graduate students Ooh. at the theater school. Sorry, I'm always down with crushes. Please do, please do. <laughs> it's encouraged. You know, and, and my, my sort of plan was like, oh yeah, I can invite him to like watch my show and then I'll be in this position where I look really cool and hot yes, and surrounded by obviously. people who think that I'm cool and hot. You're saying in this strange voice, I feel like that's a really good plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page with seems like a Seems like Full a proof. knockout, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are supporting me. Thank you very yeah, much. How'd that work out? Um, well, what had happened was that we were performing in the middle of the summer in this little New Orleans themed bar on the bar top, which was cool because like you'd climb up in, you'd go in there, you'd climb up on the bar and you'd like basically dance on this little platform um, that was above the rest of the room. But the air conditioning had broken that day and it was Mardi Gras weekend. And so everybody was in this New Orleans themed bar for, you know, the party, the air conditioning wasn't working. And I was performing this routine that I hadn't done before, but I was really excited about it. I was like a mad scientist with a test tube rack. And I like started taking shots from the test tube rack. And surprise, I'm going to strip because I've taken those shots. And <laughs> <laughs> I like the storyline. I'm on board. So far, the, the plan still seems foolproof to me. I, I started taking these shots. And are they real shots? No, they were water. Yeah. Stage magic. Mm-hmm. You know? It's fine. Because I don't, I don't want to fail so hard that I fall off the bar. That's yeah, true. It's gonna give me that. That's true. You know? So, this is the part in the story when I say that the bar had a rival bar across the street. Oh no! <laughs> this sounds. And Very West Side story. That rival bar some say had called the authorities 
on the shows that were happening in this bar. And um, the regulation for most places is that so long as you are wearing underwear of some sort and a covering on your nipples, you are street legal. But it varies because in some places you have to have the underside of your breast covered. Mm. No shit. So you can have top cleavage but not bottom cleavage. You cannot have, as they say, under boob. And so almost unfair. Some of us have better under boob than we have cleavage. Come on. It's really unfair. Okay. It seems quite arbitrary. Yeah, a little bit. So my solution to the underboob problem was to get some pantyhose, cut the legs off, cut a hole in the crotch, and wear it like a tank top. So it was nude colored, but everything that needed to be covered was covered. Okay. The problem was that the adhesive that I had used for my pasties didn't stick to the pantyhose, like it stuck to skin. And so I had this Uh-oh. moment where I like hit the last part, bit of the choreography. You know where this is going. But um bah! and I like see these like two little discs just go flying in my periphery. And all of a sudden the crowd starts going really wild. Like too wild for my like amateur burlesque performance. <laughs> oh no. And I look down and it's just like, oh yeah, that's my tits hanging out. So, and so, the guy was there? Suffice to say, I ended up, up in a two-year relationship with that Thank guy. Thank you. <laughs> because if you hadn't, I would have been like, what the fuck is wrong with him? I've never been that excited. It just, it, it went like, like Drake said, it went zero to 100 real quick. Wow. <laughs> it's always good when, when, you know, Drake quotes kind of explain your love life, I think. So that was both a failure and, and a raging success. Yeah, it just, it wasn't meant to go like that, but it ended up okay, as so many things do. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good story. It is, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, so it's interesting because you are a, a drag king, and most of the people who do drag, or the majority, are drag queens. Yes. How is that experience for you, in a sense, being a drag minority? And in terms of being able to relate and kind of get tips from the other performers, is that ever a challenge? There's a lot of friction in the community because there are some drag queens who believe that drag kinging isn't as interesting uh, as being a drag queen, or they believe that drag kings don't work as hard as Mm. drag queens. You know, a really good drag queen, they're going to spend like four or five hours on their makeup and you spend a lot of time on your costuming and your choreography. And um, there are also some people who, are, who, who don't understand why you would do it. You know, the performance of femininity. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm going to get, like, really yeah, like, academic here for Wait, a second. Wait, you can. I'm going to turn the light on while you go. <laughs> okay. All right. And we're lit. Um, the performance of femininity, in some people's minds, is really theatrical. Right? So, right. like, it's sparkly, and there's glitter, and feathers, and tulle, and it's really outrageous. Right, like but, a normal day in a female life. Yeah, but course. if you think about really outrageous men, to some degree, like, they're kind of performing femininity, too. Like, you think about, like, someone like Freddie Mercury, right? Mm-hmm. Or, like, David Bowie. And these guys are really renowned for being kind of androgynous, and perhaps, like, being a little bit feminine in the way that they present themselves. So, like, what does theatrical masculinity look like, you know, the sort of like the YMCA trope, like only goes so far, you know, if you're like a macho, macho man. 
But um, for me, I, I think that it's worth exploring. Um, and I do work just as hard as drag queens and, you know, I, I spend a lot of time like sewing my own costumes, designing my own costumes, uh, time on choreography, time on like learning, um, different skills, you know, for my drag acts. So, uh, it's tough because I think as drag kings, we constantly have to sort of justify our existence in the community. So it's, it's like being a girl in stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, like, cool. yeah, and you know, if I can get on my feminist soapbox for a second, Absolutely. it's just like misog- misogyny is alive and well in the gay community as well. Because which is an inter- I think really interesting because you don't necessarily, um, or at least I, I don't necessarily always think of that. Like I assume that if you're pro-social justice in one area, mm-hmm. then of course you would just be on board with everything else. And I very much so, as I meet more people who do different things, come to realize that is unfortunately not it's true. It's so crazy to me. Like the fact that you would be a person who is performing femi- femi- femininity and <laughs> yeah. I'm too I'm too passionate right now. Yeah, I've avoided <laughs> saying it this entire time. So you're performing femininity. You are like performing in a queer space. You are using the works of prolific female artists like Whitney Houston and Lady Gaga and Madonna. But yet, biological women are excluded from that space. Mm-hmm. What you doing? Yeah. What's up with that? No, that's pretty wild. And I, I, you don't really think about it. Like, mm-hmm. as someone who doesn't, I don't perform drag, and I hadn't really thought about it, honestly, until I met you, and then, like, I, like, was like, huh, because I've read some of the things you've written about, like, being a drag king and, like, just being involved with it, and then I was like, oh, like, I never had really thought. But when I was in college, we had drag bingo. <laughs> That's great. It was amazing. We went like both for the bingo and the skittles and the drag and it was just like really fun. But there was every so often there would be a drag king perform. And I do think that sometimes we were like, oh, huh, but I thought drag, like why, hmm, why is she dressing up like a guy? Which like you just didn't even think of being There like, are, I'm sorry, you mean to cut yeah, you off. Yeah, no, cut me off. There are great drag kings and great great drag queens and then like mediocre drag queens and mediocre drag kings but because there are fewer drag kings i think the mediocre ones stand out more yeah so it is exactly like being a female (laughs) And, and then people sort of like because they don't have a frame of reference you if you are a person who is just getting started in the scene or you know like maybe even you had a day where you didn't do as well as you wanted to all of a sudden that becomes someone's framework for this is what drag kings are yeah Yeah. so as a drag king like um what is you know i don't i'm not familiar with the goal of like what what does it mean to be successful as a drag king like what what is the end goal or not even the end goal but the like progression of what that looks like I'm an entertainer, first and foremost, so so long as the audience has a good time, I feel like I've done my job. And there are moments when I don't feel like I've done 
as good as I could mm-hmm. have, which is when, you know, I'm like in like backstage, just like crying, you know, into like a sad soda water. And yeah, I see Ben do that all the time <laughs> on stage, so. Yeah, we don't have a backstage, so it's... We don't! Publicly <laughs> doing it, like as soon as he's off the, you know, put the mic down. And you get it! Yes, you water. get it! Like, the fact is, the risk is so high, um, because... When you go out there and you do what you do, you're not going to get the chance to do it again. Right. And um, and that means that when you do well, the reward is really great. But when you don't do as good as you wish you had, um, you have to like you know sort of beat yourself into like taking what you taking the lessons from that that you can and then moving on. You know. Are you good at that? Um, I've gotten better. Okay. I think the best thing that theater school taught me was to be able to take criticism. You know, we have a, a line in theater school, like a like a, a mantra in theater school. Can I cuss on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so the mantra in theater school is to take the fucking note, a.k.a. like T-T-F-N. Have you guys heard this before? Mm, no, I don't think okay. I've heard it. I think I understand the... the I understand what it means. Behind it, but I actually haven't heard it. If you're in a show and a director gives you a note or somebody gives you a piece of constructive criticism, there are people who are just going to say, okay, cool, and let it sit with them. Even if they don't necessarily agree, they're going to take the note and see if they can work it into a way that they agree with that would also like make the production better. But people who don't have a lot of experience with performing, sometimes they argue about that. And so if you give someone a piece of constructive criticism, they'll start explaining, well, actually, I meant XYZ. And they're coming from the perspective of the performer. But if you, as an audience member, didn't get that, they didn't do their job. Mm -hmm. What are the kind of messages that you gun for in your performances? I really want people to walk away from what I do with a more diverse understanding of what can be sexy, what can be attractive. And also, I want people to think a little bit about gender as a construct you know Mm -hmm. what is it what does it mean to you know be male and to only be allowed to like certain things or to only be allowed to do certain things Mm -hmm. you know um who's to say that women can't look sexy with like short hair and a tank top in the same way that like Men. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm like I, I, cheering I, that in the fucking she's background. Double, she's double fist pumping. Okay, well, it's so short hair like tanks. shaved sides of my head, and for years has had really short hair. I yes, yeah, I get that. And you know, the same goes for men, right? Like if a guy decides that he wants to like grow his hair long, or he likes to wear colors that are specifically or traditionally thought of as feminine, that's okay, and that can be attractive, you know. And also, too, I really appreciate being able to go out there and to be myself on stage in a space where people push really hard, like, this is attractive, this is, like, what is worthy of the stage, you know? Mm -hmm. In, I think, in comedy, like, or in the theater, there's roles for a diverse range of people. That is not to say that people everybody gets the same opportunities but you know like you can be who you are and turn that into a performance persona Mm -hmm. but in the dance world and like 
in sort of the mainstream burlesque world, right? There's this very like clear understanding of like cute girls with like, you know, I don't know, like long hair. Great underboob. <laughs> yeah, great underboob. And like super ripped guys, you uh-huh. know, who are um, sort of classically handsome. And that's great. But there's a lot of people in the world who don't look like that who can mm-hmm. also be sexy. So, yeah. you know, when I go up there, um, even if, like, I'm not, you know, not having a day where I'm feeling like, you know, a 10 out of 10, I'm still going to go up there and, and project that confidence and, and try to make it work. Yeah, so you, you mentioned kind of turning it into a persona, and you and the other drag queens and kings do a lot of different numbers like where do you get the inspiration for the characters that you play in a in in the various drag performances that you do i really love to explore theatrical masculinity like flamboyant masculinity so you guys saw me do this like french buff number Mm -hmm. which was inspired by the fact that like at the height of fashion in this time period, like 18th century France, like a masculine, attractive man would wear makeup and wigs and high heels and show off his like sculpted calves, you know. Yeah. And uh, I love that. I love no, that. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> so I wanted to draw tribute to that. Have you ever like had inspiration? Because I loved that performance. It was super fun to watch. Thank but have you, you ever had you. like a character, an inspiration, a song that you thought that was definitely gonna kill that just didn't, that like fell flat? Oh yeah. It you know, it's hit or miss. Um so the parodies that I perform, I write them myself. And um there was one that I did around Christmas to the tune of Nickelback's How You Remind Me called Surprise Boner. And it's about like accidentally popping a boner in unfortunate situations. And I hear that happens. I can't speak to it from actual experience, but I have heard that that can happen. I pulled my guy friends. I was like, what would be the worst case to like accidentally... Stop it. What what are the worst cases? Well, they're all detailed in the song, but they include like having to give a speech in front of a class, like the classic one, you know, being at the swimming pool. Like you can't really hide that. Um, The ones in the song, I'm like in the grocery store cereal aisle with my mother. Um, I... I just envision that would be bad. I don't know. Um, one of the punchlines in the song is kindergarten teacher interview. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But but this is a story of a of a song that didn't go well because I forgot the stupid words. Wow. I got up there to the second verse, and, and and you know it's it's tight, right? Like in terms of a routine, like I have to nail. It's a song, so I have to nail all of the lyrics because the lyrics rhyme and I got up there and I, I remember I was wearing this like dumb Santa costume because it was Christmas um, so I was like dressed I don't know like a Santa power bottom or something I have no idea and um, I forgot the stupid words and so like I went to the second verse and my mind just and it just it, it didn't go anywhere 
I, I have to remember we're on a podcast, so like my gestures aren't really. I think people understood. <laughs> I, I have faith in people. So what do you? Yeah, what do you do? Well, yeah, what did you do? Did you make uh, up words? Did I, I you just, sing like, the first verse again? No, I I talked through until I got to the point where I could pick up the song again. Oh. You know, I think I said something like, "Oh yeah, no, this guy looks like he knows what I'm talking about." You know, and yeah. there, there was crowd work. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> good to know. That's a universal go-to when you blame. <laughs> Yeah, but to be fair, there was probably nothing about this gentleman that indicated that he was prone to surprise erections. Like, it was just a thing that happened. Yep. Well, yeah. you know. But then, hey, we have another saying in the theater, bad dress rehearsal, good performance. That technically wasn't a dress per- rehearsal, it was a live performance, <laughs> but it was a small crowd. So okay. it could be a dress rehearsal because the next time I did the song, I did well. Okay. it's so, good. There you All go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you've uh, talked a little bit about, we've talked a little bit about femininity <laughs> and kind of expressing. Way to ace that word. <laughs> yeah. But I was much more careful seeing that it's, it's been a landmine of sorts. Good job. Um, but, you know, because you go on stage and perform as a man, do, do some people... Do you think they see that as an affront to femininity or as an affront to feminism that you as a woman have chosen that as a performer you need to present yourself as a man? I'll tell you something. I get hit on more in drag by men than I do out of drag. And I've had guys come up to me after shows and just grab at my crotch and be like, what's happening down here, you know? Because I I wear a packer, so they have these like prosthetic penises that you can buy that are flaccid they're not like you know just it's a replacement <laughs> so um you can buy them on Taobao by the you way you can buy anything on Taobao yes you can <laughs> and um yeah you'll get people who just come up and be like oh you know just fill you up like no big deal um so is it actually not a big deal or are you just saying that like oh no big deal no, no like, big deal they, you just assaulted me okay. that's cool. i will say okay. I, just, I did i do just think that sure. when you're in like i i will say that when you're in situations where anybody feels like gender's up in the air i've definitely had gay men at bars just like grab my ass and be like no it's cool because like i'm gay and i'm like no it's not it's i don't not you okay. get a woman it still wouldn't have been i cool. mean here's the thing i'm not saying that i'm a total prude like if you ask i have an open mind about these kinds of things it's just that if you don't ask you know it's kind of invasive uh, nobody thinks that it's really an affront to femininity I think that people just don't get it you know um, it is kind of a like in some ways a taking on of things that are thought to be pretty ugly for women to wear or do mm-hmm. or whatever you know um, for a woman to like don a mustache there are drag kings out there like my drag son Dorian T. Fisk who actually like wears prosthetic chest hair so he will like glue on little bits of fake hair on his chest um, or like you know armpit hair stuff like that um, people will just sort of be like They'll be cheering really loudly and really openly supportive of like the sexy girl burlesque dancers. But um, as a drag king, if you get up there and you do their thing, like sometimes people are just they're like, uh, I don't. That was weird. Next. That's not what they envisioned when they came to a drag show. Yes. Hmm. Yes. So I I have a question because like as 
a minority in my performing art, um, I'm always torn between being like, okay, so the best thing I can do is just be really fucking funny. <laughs> and that's the best way to like convince people that girls are funny or being like, no, I need to take an active role in like pointing out issues in the community or like trying to encourage people to do better or trying to like s say something when I like feel like it's become a very unwelcoming space mm -hmm. and being like, no, like just it's better to just be really good at what I do and let that speak for itself. Do you ever like, like where do you fall on, you know, if people, do you confront the idea mm. with drag queens that drag kings are equally relevant performers? Do you just try and kick ass? Like it depends on the day. Drag kinging is hard for people to imagine if they've never seen it because, again, they don't have a frame of reference for it. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, if someone comes to my show and they've never seen a drag king before and I am having a day where I, like, knock it out of the park, you know, uh, people will think, like, oh, this is a legitimate art form. This is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had people come up to me and be like, I've never seen anybody do what you do. That's awesome. Um, but... You know, sometimes you don't have the energy to fight that battle. So um, when I do, when it does seem to me to like be a problem, I do want to say something just because if I don't, I'm not going to get booked. But right. even then, um, sometimes things don't work out in your favor. You know, I had a club promoter recently tell me that the reason why they didn't book a single drag king in a month of drag performances is because it's a gay bar, not a lesbian bar. But I go to that place all the time and there are always queer women up in there. Mm. Plus, just because you're a drag king doesn't mean that you, can, you can't entertain a room. Right. You right. know. Uh, regardless of their sexual orientation and their gender, mm -hmm. you know. So that part to me, um, it definitely felt a little bit exclusive. But uh, sometimes, too, if you get into this place where you're constantly trying to fight that battle, it robs you of your desire to do the actual art. Right. You know? And then you get to this place where you're just like, ah, oh, this sucks because this thing used to give me so much joy. Now it's a real pain in my butt. And like, you guys can't take that from me. You know what I mean? Like, you will pry the stage from me when I'm like cold and dead. You know? This Thanks is mine. I have a right to be of here. Ass, since this is a very PG place. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, it sounds sounds somewhat similar to how stand up works. Yeah, I think Ben Ben has heard me tell very similar. Like sometimes it's worth it to to fight the battle and be like, no, like you're being you know exclusive or being a dick or you're making it an unwelcoming place. And sometimes I'm like, no, I just want to go do 15 minutes and be funny and like have that be it and yeah. enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, and surround yourself with people who support what you do because not everybody's going to support what you do, and that stands for any performer, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not you are like a minority within a minority or not. There are people who are gonna think like, oh yeah, you are awesome. And there are people who are like, ugh, who let this person on stage, you know? So you do what you can to surround yourself with people who are going to be true leaders, but also like, you know, consult with people that you trust and be like, okay, you can give me feedback um, and I can try to get better, but also to not let the haters get you down. Yeah, I mean, and in terms of you getting 
feedback from people since there are so many fewer drag kings does that make feedback very difficult to get there are a few people that i really trust i have a mentor uh she was the one who sort of revived burlesque in shanghai her name is anna Frilaxis, and we will um talk about like ideas that i have performances that i've done i will just ask her to be honest you know with me um, also, too, I have a drag son, um, so sometimes like I'll bounce ideas off of him. Um, and then the good news is there's a global community of drag kings. Yeah. So we connect with each other via Facebook. Um, I actually just started a website for drag kings. I'm going to plug it. Sorry, not sorry. www.dragkings.net. And on dragkings.net, we've just asked drag kings around the world to submit who they think are the best drag kings currently performing. So it's a jury of the, it's a list of the best of the best voted on by your peers cool um and so rather than just be a contest that was open up to anybody who can vote and it's just like oh this person has 50 friends okay i'm going to nominate this person even though i don't know anything else about drag this was really looking for the kings that inspire other kings so um i do have a community out there of people that i can talk to as well and uh the rest of it is just being humble about your own work and looking at it with a critical eye so, so when exactly are you going back uh, to the U.S.? In January, I'm going to be enrolling in film school. I'm really excited about Woo! that. America, going back. Sorry. <laughs> Some of us are doing it. I'm trying to be excited. <laughs> I'm going to miss Very Shanghai. Um, I'm excited, though, for to start a new chapter. Um, I did this reality TV show on YouTube for Drag Kings called King Me, Rise of a Drag King. And for each challenge, we had to film, um, edit, and submit our own material. And the part that I liked the most about that was editing it all together. So um, I decided, hey, like this might be cool, enrolled in film school, and that'll be happening for me in six months. Wow. Yay. It's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah. Very, very exciting. So where, where, where are you going to film school? I'm going to uh, film school at Johns Hopkins U in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. I was just in Baltimore. I went to a barbecue joint that was next to a strip club. <laughs> so something for you to be excited about. Did you drink a Natty Bow? <laughs> didn't. I didn't. Oh. We, we got barbecue. Then we took it to a craft brewery. That was full of a lot of hipsters. I mean, honestly, there's a big craft beer scene in Maryland. It, it felt pretty Baltimore. It was I'm good. looking forward I to liked it, man. You I know, was down. going back to like the land of microbreweries and yeah. like you know. Also, you can hit crabs with hammers in Maryland. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, something that has not gotten to Shanghai yet. They have crabs, but they. <laughs> ben and I have talked about this we, like extensively. No, just just in People terms of people would love it though. I I feel like. I feel like Chinese people just, just love hitting his, things. He hurts I, his hands when he eats crabs. No, I, I don't like He's eating upset. the... Because that's like the most famous Shanghai food is the hairy crab. Yeah. Like the blue crabs. But sure. but you just have to eat it with... You just have to crack them open with your hands. They don't have any tools. Yeah. And I feel like they normally don't. You would have to ask for them. How many years of human history and we're not using tools? Mallets! Mallets for crabs! <laughs> but I feel like it's one of those things that is... As a foreigner, you can't ask for tools. Sure, sure. Like, if a Chinese person you're eating with is like, okay. oh, I need Might a I giant just suggest thing. you bring your own mallet to dinner? <laughs> BYO mallet. Yeah. 
Yeah, they it's just your hands get beat up. Those shells are. I mean, sharp. in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't have this problem. But I am sympathetic. I'll say I didn't actually like crab, but it was really fun to beat it open. <laughs> yeah. So basically, like I'm the wor- a vegetarian's worst nightmare because I just said I don't even enjoy the eating experience. I just like massacring <laughs> some sort of animal. <laughs> yep. Social justice. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. You know, that's, not, that's not the fight that I'm fighting today. So here I'm like, today I'm like championing, you know, champion, championing, championing women in drag. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, t- a lot of tough words we're choosing. We're you know, choosing honestly, to say on this I think my biggest failure on this podcast is just English. I can't English today. So. It happens though sometimes. It's okay. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it, it, it does. But I mean, that's very, uh, very exciting that you're you're going you're going back doing doing film school. Annis, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys giving a platform to people who do what I do. It's kind of like a niche thing. um, But, you know, the most that I can ask of people is just, like, support anybody who is trying to make, like, local live entertainment happen, you know? Don't just enjoy the show from your friends' moments. Like, actually make an effort to go and support your friends who try to do cool creative entertainment. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So that's that's been the failure show. If you uh, uh, you know if you like the show, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave a five star review. We would really appreciate it. So uh, yeah, that's been our show for today, the failure show. Uh, until next time. Bye.